Welcome to episode number 56. I'm Luke Winstall. This is the Luke Winstall Show. Today I talked with former Atlanta Falcons running back Jarius Norwood. Jarius enjoyed a fantastic career in Atlanta with over 2,900 scrimmage yards, and he played alongside prolific quarterbacks Michael Vick and Matt Ryan. On the show today, we talked about his journey from being a kid in Mississippi to an NFL athlete, training in the pre-draft process with Devin Hester, and running a 4.32 second 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. And also a little bit about his time in Atlanta, trying to power through and survive in that 2007 season that was filled with turmoil. And we finished up by talking about his life now after football, what he's up to, what his retirement's been like, and a little bit of a rapid-fire Q&A. We'll dive right into the interview. Jarius, thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Luke. Thank you you for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk to you. My first question for you today, when did you first get into and start playing football? Oh, man, you're going to take me back to my early childhood days. My first initial uh, athletic experience was exactly like 30 yards across the street from, from you know, my home place down in Mississippi. It was a, just a neighborhood, you know, a softball field that all the kids kind of flocked to, and, and it was right across the street from my home, man. So that was my first experience, you know, in the athletic arena other than, you know, playing for a school or, or a little league team or, you know. What did you want to be when you were a little kid? Did you always want to be a pro athlete? You know what, man? I never really, I never really sought out to be a professional athlete. It just was a, a gene and a talent that ran through my family, and in some kind of way, it found me and my touch. Uh, my special athletic abilities was speed, man. I had killer speed, and whatever I did, you know, with the kids in the neighborhood, I was always the first one picked because of my speed. And, uh, you know, as I was able to stay in the athletic arena and just grow, I really began to notice and recognize that I had, you know, outstanding speed. And, you know, now that I'm a coach, I always tell my guys, you know, whatever you focus on, that's mainly what will grow in your life. And I focused on my speed because I knew there was a perfect opportunity that I could make a difference. So that's what I did, man. Well, when did you first start to get recruited to play in college, and what schools were on you first? Man, I was hot. I was I was a hot commodity man from uh, like tenth grade. Man, I started getting letters at tenth grade. By the time my senior year came up, I had scholarship offers from pretty much everyone in the country, but the Oregon Ducks. And what a lot of people don't know is that that the Oregon Ducks was an organization that I really wanted to go to. Because of the the type of offense that that they ran, they ran a lot of spread offense, speed type sets, you know, with a lot of speed guys, and that's who I was. And, and uh, but I chose Mississippi State. Mississippi State Bulldogs was a great, great choice, a great fit for me, and uh, turned out to be awesome. I was going to say, in terms of recruiting, you're the sixth highest rated recruit by 24/7 Sports in the state of Mississippi's history. So obviously, like you said, very highly recruited coming out of the class of 02. 
I'm wondering, how's the world of recruiting different now than it was just 18 years ago with the rise of social media and everything else that's been going on recently? Well, I think, you know, a big, a big, uh, a big change in the game in the athletics is uh, just, the, just the teams, the organizations, you know what I'm saying, being able to win. Everybody want to be winners. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to have some guys that get recruited and end up going to low-level schools which eventually can still have an opportunity to make it to the big show. But most of these guys want to go to these big Alabama, Mississippi State, LSU, Florida, you know, SEC. is what the real football is played in, what I say in the SEC conference. No, nah, but uh, there's some other great conferences out there. But, you know, we just speaking on uh, what's drawing the athletes to the programs. And uh, for me, you know, it's just winning. It's being comfortable with the, with the, with the coaches and, uh, you know, uh, just developing relationships throughout the coaches and the players that you'll be balling with week in and week out, day in and day out. You know, so with me, it just was a feel and a relationship for the place that I was headed to. Yeah, you talk about the SEC. It's always my favorite football to watch. What do you think makes that conference so dominant or so stacked in terms of talent? Well, you know, it's kind of like diamonds being formed. You know, diamonds are like, before a diamond is a diamond, it's in bad, really bad condition. And, like, the SEC conference puts you under a lot of pressure. And in order for a diamond to be formed, it must withstand a lot of heat and a lot of pressure, and a lot of guys, a lot of coaches are shying away from physical-type style football in the trenches-style-type football. And the SEC Conference produces, you know, some of the toughest guys, man. And that's where the games are wanted, in the trenches, on the tough line, who's willing to, you know, give it all up. You know what I mean? Instead of running from the contact, who's willing to make the contact so that we can advance forward. And that 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 SEC uh, that SEC football conference is very tough, man. And you got to come with your very best A one game week in and week out, regardless of who it is you playing. So after your college career concluded, what was your pre draft process like, and how did you train for the NFL draft? Now that we're kind of getting into that kind of draft season here. Well, like I was saying, my big. My big kicker as an athlete was uh, speed, and I had to find a way to develop my speed to the best of its ability. And I found a guy by the name of Tom Shaw, and he taught speed down in Orlando, Florida. And once I made it to my destination, my location, Devin Hester was there, one of the best returning men in NFL history, and he was my training partner. Oh, wow. We trained for like... We trained for like a month and a half before uh, the big, before the train, before the uh, combine. And uh, man, it was very, it was very interesting. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from uh, Tom Shaw. He was our speed coach. He pushed us through speed drills. He taught us fundamentals on techniques on how to run, and he also built our strength. A lot of athletes, uh, they want to be their best, but. And they have the potential to be their best, but without the strength part, then how can I be my my most explosive? You know what I mean? So 
the strength was a big part of my training, and man, it 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 helped out tons. Coming into the 2006 NFL Combine, I had the fastest 40 time for all uh, NFL running backs. That was at the Combine that year, and it was a 4-3-2 in the 40 yard dash, and all that came from you know hours of training and hours of technique. You know what I'm saying? And just staying focused and training with the best guy and, and putting myself under that pressure so that that diamond could be formed. How would you describe the moment when you first knew that you got drafted? Oh, my goodness, man. It was like, uh, it was uh, kind of surreal for me, man. You know, I've, I've always been a competitor and I've always been able to lose with a good attitude and, uh, so it's kind of like whatever happens, happens, because I know I'm going to go out and give my best, and I know I won't win all my games. But And that's the attitude I went into the draft with. I, was, I wasn't sure that I would get drafted, but, like, uh, my family wanted to have a draft party, and uh, I really w- didn't want to do it, but I kind of wanted to do it for them so that they could go through the experience too, you know what I mean? So we went ahead and did a party, and I ended up, getting drafted uh, third round, 79th pick to the Atlanta Falcons, and it was very awesome, man. I, I got the phone call, and all my family was around, and I got the experience, you know, talking to the coaches, and my, my family got the experience, you know, just the enjoyment of being entered into the NFL, man, a lifelong dream, you know what I mean? I was going to ask about your draft party. How did you celebrate that kind of dream come true after you got drafted? Yeah, man. So, I, you know, I went back home and, you know, all my family was there. We hung out and took pictures and just made memories. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, uh, my, my, my extended family outside of my, my personal family is my football family and, and, and it was amazing, man. You know, I went. I was able to, you know, just get with some of my football teammates and just go through the process and talk to them through the process and just enjoy the whole moment of, uh, you know, reaching a a height. You know what I'm saying? That that that, that was tough, but was able to be done through hard work and perseverance. Well, you had loads of success during your first three years in the league, especially with about 2,500 scrimmage yards over that span. So one of the most interesting times, I think, in your career was during that 2007 season. It was when it was obviously the really chaotic year for the Falcons with you know, everything from the Vic dogfighting situation to Coach Petrino leaving for 13 games to go coach at Arkansas and then finishing the year with a 4-12 and record. Looking back... What do you remember most about that 2007 season and being a part of that Falcons team during kind of a tough transition period? Well, for me, it was a lot going on because it was only my second year. And on top of being coming out of my rookie year, having to deal with, the, you know, the Mike Vick situation and Bob Petrino leaving, and it was a lot going on, man. But my biggest deal was to stay focused because I knew that this was only one organization. And if I, I, I had to put my all into this one organization, regardless of what happened, if I got cut or whatever happened, there's 31 other organizations out there that's willing to check me out. So I had to stay focused and put my best foot forward still 
dealing with my second year of football, having to learn a, a, a totally new offense, and it's just a lot on the young guy. But I luckily I had good veterans around. I don't know if you remember Justin Griffin. He was a running back for the Falcons. Freddie McQuarrie. He was another running back. But both of these guys come from Mississippi State. Let me remind you. And I also was in the backfield with the great war done. So I had a good core of guys around me that that I was able to learn from and pick up tips, you know, to keep me focused. And once you reach that level, everybody has talent. The only difference is the mind frame. And that was something that I had to develop. Yeah, and in 2007, in your second season, you had the best season in your career in terms of scrimmage yards with almost 900 that year. How did you maneuver your way through the season and kind of still be successful individually putting up that many yards? Well, I, I, I look for opportunity. And if there's an opportunity for me to make a play, then I go for it. You know, I give my all. I made it to the professional level, not by hoping and wishing, but by really going after what I want. And that's the way I approach the football field. And that's the way I approach my everyday life now. You know, that year was a tough year. But I still had to stay focused. I had opportunity as a return man by using my speed. I had opportunities as a special team guy just by showing the coaches that I was willing to get out there and work and do some things, you know what I'm saying, that I wouldn't normally do and give the effort that I wouldn't normally give. And then going and playing offense, something that I really, truly love, you know, getting the ball in my hand, making plays, shaking and baking. You know what I'm saying? And that was my focus, man. You know, so many times we have distractions all around us, and we can get caught up within those distractions. But if we can get caught up in those distractions, then it it deter our process from getting to the goal that we ultimately seeking. And I learned that, you know, I have to stay focused regardless of the storm that's around me. What would you say was the best moment of your playing career? My best moment of my playing career, oh, my goodness, man, I got so many great moments. Uh, My best moment, man, was probably just having the access to uh, be able to travel and 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 go different places, you know, and I actually met my wife on on the trip. And that was probably, I could say, the best moment that the NFL has probably brought me because now that the NFL, I'm no longer playing, you know, it. The NFL introduced me to my wife with me being on a trip, and she's with me to this day, and we have four beautiful kids, and that was just a great moment for me, the introduction of me meeting my wife without the NFL. I wouldn't have had the money to travel is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? And the NFL blessed me with my talent, paid me good, paid me well, opened up the doors for me to travel, and I met my beautiful bride. So I would have to say that that's the best thing that the NFL has done for me today. Well, traveling around, how did you get to meet her when you are playing in the NFL? Man, you know what? Coming off this Valentine weekend, 
that's a funny question you asked that. It was uh All Star Weekend, man. And I went out to Las Vegas with uh actually I went out alone. I went out to Las Vegas, uh to check out the All Star game just to get away and hang out. And I ran into her out there, man, and, and we we we've been talking ever since. <laughs> yes indeed. Awesome. Well, now it's time for our rapid-fire section. I've got four questions for you. First up, do you have any hidden talents outside of football? Yeah, I love to sing and dance. I, uh, a lot of people don't know. I'm a, uh, my first performance ever in front of a crowd of people, I was on the stage singing and dancing, so I love to sing and I love to dance. If you could only listen to one musical artist for the rest of your life, who would it be and why? One artist. Yes. One musical artist. I would say Mac Powell. I love me some Mac Powell. If you don't know Mac Powell, Mac Powell is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, he got kind of a, a country, he got kind of a country gospel, he got kind of a twang mixed to him, but he sang gospel music and Christian music and, uh, and just worship music. And, uh, Man, he my guy, man. You know, my that's my main connection is is that what that's the power source for me is is uh, Jesus Christ, man. That's where I get my strength from. And if I had to roll with one man, it'd be Mac Powell. Is there a player playing in college or the NFL today that reminds you of yourself and the way that you played the game? Oh my goodness, he uh. I can tell you this. I can't really give you a guy right now that's out there, but I can tell you who I carried my, my, my game off of. It was two guys. It was Gale Sayers and Walter Payton. And these both, these guys were tall, tall, lanky, long backs with long strides, but they had moves. And I patterned a lot of my playing style. After I found out who they were, I started watching these guys and using their same type training techniques. Uh, be my best. Yeah, those are two really good role models. I'm wondering, growing up in Mississippi, you don't have an NFL team there. Who did you root for growing up? Who were you a fan of? Well, I first initially got this dream of, of playing football from the Green Bay Packers. I'm a cheesehead to heart, man. That green, that green, I'm green and gold all the way in and all the way out, man. So, you know. I first started watching the Green Bay Packers, and they gave me the thought and idea to get on the football field and try it out. And luckily, I caught on because it, it paid off, and I was able to make to the NFL a big show and play several years. What hobby have you enjoyed most since retiring from the NFL? Well, I have always have been a country boy from Mississippi, so I enjoy the outdoors. I love hunting and fishing. My favorite hunting. It'd probably be turkey hunting or rabbit hunting. And, uh, you know, it's just a uh, peaceful thing for me, man. I love the outdoors. I hunt wild hogs, uh, white-tailed deer. I love archery hunting. I'm a bow hunter. I rarely pick up a gun and shoot a deer, but I will stick him with a bow. Uh, other than that, man, I'm a family guy. I love my family. I love my peace. And I want to spread the love, man. And uh, that's pretty much who I am and what I do. Awesome. That's it for the rapid-fire segment. Now I'm wondering about your life after football. 
Where are you now in terms of your life? What does a day in the life of Jarius Norwood look like in 2020? Man, 2020, my first, my, my alarm go off at 4.30 in the morning. And uh, I'll be at the gym. I got a couple guys I meet at the gym. And we hit the gym. We hit the gym every day, man. They trying to talk me into going on Saturdays now. But I don't know. My wife might kick me out the house if I give them six days a week. I don't know if I'm going to go for it. But uh, that's, that's uh, my initial start. Boom. So we hit the gym, we finish up at the gym, and then I'm off to work. So now for my everyday duties, I own a cleaning service here in the North Georgia area, and we service residential and commercial properties, interior and exterior. Whatever the cleaning, uh, whatever our clients may need, whatever it is, and we take care of it. And that's, uh, that's a day after, after the work day is done, then I go into coaching. I got uh, I got a young man, my son. He's uh, always playing sports, so um, uh, I'm I normally move. I've moved away from the coaching side and moved more into the training side. So I normally train his team and and youth programs in the area. And uh, man, coming home and Mama having something good to eat, and we sit down and eat together and pray together as a family. Maybe watch a little TV and and uh, do some homework and that's a night, man. That's a date with Jerry Norwood. Awesome. So I've been seeing also that you do some work in the community. What have you been up to there? Man, we got a lot of stuff going on. Man, I actually uh, partnered up with Kids Play International. We do. Uh, we actually got some events coming up here in Georgia pretty soon, but. We go internationally. We do a lot of work with uh, uh, disadvantaged, you know, underprivileged kids and just building their foundations and, you know, just supporting communities, feeding, uh, feeding the homeless, you know, still do a lot of work through the Atlanta Falcons, going into the schools and encouraging and motivating the kids. And, you know, just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not actively playing football, but I'm still running the ball, man, by you know, by helping change lives in the community, and and you know it 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 uh it just blessing to be able to do to still be able to do those things, and I take full advantage of it because it's lives out there, and it's it's stories that I have and advice and knowledge that I have that I can give to someone that might help better their lives, kind of like the coaches did for me, you know, put me in put me in different situations. You know, they're better my life, and that's what I want to do for someone else. That's amazing. What motivates you to do all of the work that you do in the community? Well, it's, it's just so much. It's just so much. It's just so much hurt and pain in the world. And I feel like a lot of the world, what, what we see on social media, is it, so fake sometimes. And we need some real people out there that are really going to step in and help someone. They really open their heart up and make their heart smile, and 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 it's not enough just to, you know, just to talk about it. I like being about it, and the only way to make change is to be the change that you want to see. And I just go out and do my part. I can't do it all, but I do my part to run a great race. Well, I know you talked about social media. Yours is a great follow. Where can fans follow you on Instagram or other social media? Yeah, so 
you can follow me on uh, Terry's Norwood twelve thirty two on Instagram, and uh, I post a lot of different stuff. Most of my stuff is motivational, encouraging, working out uh, my life. Awesome! I love it. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on the show, Jarius. Thank you, Luke. If I can help you in any kind of way, you let me know. Keep pushing that encouragement. Keep that fire going. And uh, thank you for your time. That concludes episode number 56 of The Luke Winstall Show. Thank you again to Jarius for joining me. Coming next on the podcast... Rennie Curran, former UGA and NFL linebacker, joins me to talk about his journey and his career in the league. I'm looking forward to bringing you that show next Monday. This has been episode number 56 of The Luke Winstall Show. Thank you all for tuning in.